With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to a world where power and skill collide. For an instant, a friend can become your mortal enemy. You have entered the world of arm wrestling. Only one will stand victorious. With your host, Craig Subler, on AWNR.us. begins now. Hey, what's up, everybody? Another exciting show. Um, <laughs> I was having trouble uh, getting logged on here, and I want to welcome our co-host, Albert. What's up, Albert? How you doing, brother? Good. Can you hear me good? Yeah, I can hear you, man. I was having a little bit of trouble uh, logging in, man. I don't know. They changed us up a little bit, so... Um, Anyway, I'm here, so that's all that matters. And we got an exciting show tonight. We got Vasquez, we got Bob Brown, and we got you back, man. How you been doing? Good, good. Yeah, just working out and uh, trying to get ready for the, everything that's coming up our way in you know, wrestling. Yeah, we got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff uh, coming up here in Florida. We got an event coming up this weekend, um, Backyard Brawl. Um, it's going to be a great, great event. Anthony Ontario putting that on. Unfortunately, um, you know, it's in my backyard, but I, I have a prior uh, commitment I'll be doing, so uh, I won't be making it out to that one. But uh, are, how's are you, you're not going to be there either. You're celebrating uh, your anniversary, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes, man, correct. congratulations. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, actually going to be going out of town that day, so I won't be oh, able to cool. make it. Cool. So, um so yeah, we got Bob. Like uh, uh, go ahead, sorry. It seems like it seems like it's shaping up uh, to be a good event, though. Uh, I yeah, I think uh, it's Kamara is coming from Canada, right? And then yes, uh, yeah, yeah, she'll we're be. We're gonna uh, have some uh, female action there. Uh, we're, you know, we're sending Team Jackson. We're sending uh, at least three females there. Oh yeah, that will be awesome. there, I believe. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, so sorry, uh, Beth is making a comeback. Yes, yeah, and then she feels very strong. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, man, having her back in the swing of things. Um, I haven't really, you know, when I started on wrestling, she kind of retired, was getting out of it, and then she just had a baby, and now she's back, and she's kind of, I mean, you know, she was at the WAL, but I really never got a chance to see some of the wars that, um, you know, her and some of the girls had over the, you know, years that she's pulled, so... It's uh, going to be exciting, man. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, it should be a good one. Unfortunately, they're both going to miss it. Yes. 
You know what? And I hate that too, man. I'm like, I'll be glued because uh, Dickie was texting me today, and he's all excited. He's weighing in 195. Gonna be pulling in the light class. I mean, uh, that's something that's gonna be really interesting at this year's WAL with Dickie joining the 195 class, especially left-handed. Uh, I'm super stoked about that, man. It's gonna be. Uh, he's gonna be shaking up some stuff in that class for sure. Yeah, well, last weekend, Todd Hutchings was involved in a round robin. Okay. Watch some of those matches. Mm-hmm. Last time they, uh, I think he was able to pull it off. Still, so he won the class, but they gave him hell. Uh, there were some uh, long hook matches. Yeah. I believe one of them was one of the Bishop brothers, and there was. Another oh yeah, guy yeah, yeah, Josh, him. yeah. Yeah. Gosh. So uh, apparently uh, things are closer than everybody thinks. I mean, the, the strength levels are way closer mm-hmm. than everybody thinks. Uh, yeah, but you wonder, it, you know, how beat up Todd is too, and how much time he's taken off for these little tournaments. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I know he's got to qualify, but you know, it makes me wonder, you know, if he's using these as practices also. You know what I mean? Like this, you know, that's the funny thing about arm wrestling. You, you think like. These guys, and then all of a sudden in these finals, it's not even, you know, it's not even right. um, really that close. And that's you what know? makes, and that, yeah, that's what makes an elite, I guess. You know, I mean, yeah, elite yeah. is elite, and then uh, everybody else is under there. But there is a few guys that's not, you know, oh in yeah, the no. category. Yeah. So uh, it's gonna be a year after year. I mean, if if WAL keeps up with this, uh, we're gonna see uh, more elite guys, or at least the, the level of competition will keep getting better and better. It's obvious. It's, you know, yeah. it's visible already. No, absolutely. And people are training harder and more motivated now with the money and the exposure right. and just some great things are going on in arm wrestling. I mean, it's just, you know, it's exciting. And, you know, like last week my guest Alan was on and he was talking about the world championships. And, you know, we're going to, you know, hear from Bob and Vasquez uh, also their experience. And, uh, you know, he really – I got really good – uh good um, excitement from um, a lot of the people listening going, wow, I didn't realize this happened. And it kind of fed some fire for the, uh, the WAF um, world championships because, uh, you know, those championships sometimes people forget about, you know. Uh, yeah, and, and, and it is unfortunate because WAF was there before anything else. And yep. uh, it's, I, I still think it's uh, one of the most prestige tournaments mm-hmm. in the world uh, just because you represent your country. Uh, against the other countries' best uh, in every weight category. So uh, from that standpoint only, I think it's an honor to be at that podium. I'm sure Wolfgang and Bob things like that. They went all the way to uh, Malaysia this year. So uh, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to asking uh, asking them about the WAF actually. Yeah, I got I got Vaz. Uh, he's just texting me right now. I think he's going to call in with Bob. So we're going to. Uh, I got Bob on the line. I'm, I'm going to bring him into the show. Hey, Bob, how you doing tonight? Welcome to Arm Wrestle Nation Radio once again. Bob Brown joining us live. Ah, doing good. Doing good. Good day. How you guys doing? Good, man. You you finally made it back from a long, long trip. Oh yeah, yeah. We, me and my wife, we ended up doing a. Oh, another two weeks past the world, going all over the world. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Uh, Bob, Bob, hi, this is Al here. How are you, buddy? Hey, how you doing, Al? Good. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna. I was at the point where I was gonna block you on Facebook because my wife was getting jealous. 
She's like, you never take me anywhere. <laughs> you guys have visited like what, fifteen countries? <laughs> well, we we went to what, one, two, three, four, let's say, I think six. Yeah. <laughs> that's great, man. Yeah, joking aside, so. that's really nice. That's that's what it's all about, you know. Well, you know, at this point, you know, I mean, that's kind of, you know, to me, that's a big part of why I arm wrestle anymore. It's kind of an excuse to go travel, to be honest with you. I mean, my arm isn't really what it used to be, but I I still have fun doing it, and I love traveling, so why not put the two things together? Right. I wanted, what what I, happened? Uh, I wanna just I wanna just welcome Va- Vasquez to the show also here. He's joining us. Hey Vasquez, welcome to the show. Hello Craig. Hello everybody. Hello, Hello Logan. Well I was uh, I was asking uh you know, Bob uh what happened? Did you uh not feel hundred percent? What was the issue? Oh, myself? So, well, no, to be honest, uh, I've had uh, I've had some wrist problems for the last couple of years that have been agonizing me, and I, I, uh, I kind of worked them out, and I went into this tournament, at least right-handed, very, very confident. You know, I'd, I'd won the world twice in a row and then got second to uh, Malachi from Russia, last year who I beat the year before that and I knew my wrist wasn't good but this year my wrist was real good I, I honestly I I had no thought that I would lose this tournament and I won my first two matches and in the third match uh, the guy hit me over and when I went to pull him back my shoulder uh, it cracked I mean there's nothing in your shoulder to crack other than ligaments and tendons but there was two really loud cracks. The refs heard it. The competitor heard it. I heard it. We all froze. I was kind of freaking out. I didn't want to move because I, I, I thought I might have broke my arm, but I wasn't sure. And then uh, I realized I didn't break my arm, but I'm like, something's not right. And then as soon as I let go of the guy's hand, my shoulder just started to kill me. And uh, I had about... Oh, I, so I lost that match, obviously. And then I, I probably had about five minutes before I had to go again because that was just my first loss. And I was going to try again. And it's just, you know, I, I was going and I ready to go. I took the guy's hand, but I couldn't go sideways. I just, there was just way too much pain. And and then that was that was the end of it. And I, you know, you know just the older you, you know, it's funny that I really don't think you lose too much strength the older you get, you know, even up to say 45, 50 years old, I turned 50 this year, but it's, will your arm not have injuries? I mean, that's the big key. Like I, you know, Todd Hutchins busted his shoulder up. John Brzezink busted his shoulder up. I, you know, more elbows. And I don't think any of us are any weaker than we might've been in our younger days. We're, we're just fragile. Right. Right, and you also uh, had a major weight loss, right, to make the weight class? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I lost 50 pounds to make the class, but I was, it was, you know, I was fat. <laughs> it was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 
pretty my I eat I gain weight looking at food, but you know when it's time to lose weight, I'm pretty good at it. I don't I really don't think that had anything to, to do with it. You know. Okay. Because okay. 50 pounds is a measured number. Yeah, and I did it. I mean, I did it in about eight weeks. Because when I got back from A1 is when I weighed like uh, like 229 or 220 uh, minus four pounds, 225, and I had to make 176. So it's 49 pounds. And, you know, when I got on the plane to go down to Malaysia, I, w- I still had about oh, 12 pounds left to go, and then the the morning of weigh-ins, I had five pounds more to cut, and I cut that five pounds, And but I, again, I, I really don't think that had anything to do with my injury, I just think 30 years of arm wrestling, <laughs> beating the crap right. out of yourself, and, you know, did it. <laughs> just because you opened up A1, I would like to ask you, we've seen John Berzink putting something on the web. Uh, about A1 not paying the American athletes either. Right. Uh, so what's what's going on with that? What are your thoughts on that? What's say that again? What do you think about all that situation? Well, I'm obviously not happy about it. I mean, you know, we went the year before, uh, and you know, kind of the way that we structure how how we're getting paid and things like that is is we paid. You know, me, John, and Todd, we paid for our whole trip over there two years ago, and then we got reimbursed when the event was over. And we actually got reimbursed all but about 600 bucks, which was, you know, that was fine. Um, so then this year, it was the same thing. We we get over there, and we're going to be reimbursed. And uh, And he ended up, he gave us, yeah, I mean, he gave us a, sub, a substantial amount of money. I don't want to get into specific dollars, but he he's only given us about, I think, uh, about 30 to 40% of what he owes us. So he still owes us about, you know, 60 or 70% of the money, which is, it's a substantial amount of money. Uh, right. And I mean, you know, I, you know, I'll never, if, you know, I'll never go back. I know, I know, none of us will ever go back if we don't get paid. I mean, to me, you know, that that's always the problem. Is if the promoter says he's going to do something, he he really better do it. You know, or it's just it's just not good business. Exactly. Well, Kim, what do you think about that? Did you hear anything from your side about A one? Yes. Well, uh, I have friends in Moscow. They are spending all their time with Dennis Siplenko, Alexei Voivoda. And they are saying the same, that winners have troubles and difficulties with getting their prize money already two, three years. So they owe a lot of money to Siplenko, Pushkar, and other winners. Basically, we see photos on the Internet Top three winners with signs of money checks, but in reality, those are just pictures. In reality, they don't get paid. So probably our American friends, they knew that there was a risk of getting in such trouble. But still, if they had some arrangements, 
they should be fine. But these guys, it's a huge mistake in promoting. So they lost the trust. Now no one American will go there. So when you lose the trust, you cannot get it back. Right, exactly. Okay, um, well, what can how did you do? You took ninth place, right? Yeah, I took ninth, but I think I deserved some better position on the list. I was feeling great, great training for the World Championship, no problems with weight cutting. I went there with my everyday's weight. Everything was fine, happy, good mood. Everyone could notice that. So I won my three matches in a row. And I had one very beautiful match against Russian Puller. I was in hopeless critical position, but I could maintain that defense, bring back and beat him. Then I met uh, Saido from uh, Ahmedov from Kazakhstan. Well, he beat me, no problems. He was stronger. I have no concerns about that. Later, he took first place. Then I met Bulgarian puller, Delizakov. I toppled him. He slipped in losing position. Referee called me elbow fall. Well, maybe I cut my elbow and I didn't notice that. Possible. Well, start. I toppled him. He slips in a losing position. This time they called me a warning, early start. Well, I accepted it. Maybe I was early. I was not careful. Okay. So another start. Again, I toppled him and he placed in a losing position, totally losing position. Downside referee says trap match. The per referee says elbow fall. They go to the side. They discuss between each other, and then come back and call me elbow fall, so I lose the match. <laughs> and you, you guys and, didn't and uh, dispute that? What? You didn't dispute that, but that's also a question for you too. You you were the you were usually the team captain, right? Disputing these. Right. Usually I am. Uh, that's correct. Unfortunately, this year. I wasn't there for the senior days. I left after the master days. Yeah, but there was a moment uh, that when both referees came back with one decision, well, I cannot win the protest if I protest this case. So and that's, the head referee yeah, that's true. two referees, they say the same. So I lose the protest. There is no sense to protest that much. Later, this guy takes third place. Right. So, oh, so it was it was Haristo that this happened with from Bulgaria. Uh, Is the Bulgarian the, puller who got who got third place? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Uh, I beat him last year. Easy, no problems in right. Lithuania. This year he took first place in European Championship. <laughs> but I I toppled him three times and he like slipped in losing position. Whatever. Uh. There was nothing left then to accept that as it was. 
and just the right. referees they're not so experienced i think probably from hungary or romania i cannot say exactly but whatever it happens <laughs> yeah. but this thing happened to me for the first time to be honest <laughs> Now, why, right. did you, uh, why did you do 70 kilos? Was there a reason why you competed 154s? You usually do 143s, right? Well, I'm doing already second year 154 or 70 kilo. I feel great. You know, I train hard. I gain strength. I gain muscle. So going down to 143 means to lose that achievement that I have at the gym and show to the world championship weaker than I am every day. So I just decide to go whatever I am every day, which is good decision, I think, for me now. Fresh, all power, energy, eat all the time. And there was a gym at the hotel, so I was doing some light training, feeling wonderful, ready for the world, just because of this. And uh, Roman uh, Jambuli did the... the 143s, right? Yeah, right. he competed in He ended okay. up getting third place. He got third place right-handed and yeah. uh, second place left-handed. Yeah. It's, it's probably, probably, he has, probably he has some difficulties in Georgia for 154 class. I don't know. Maybe he cannot get the start in the team, so he goes down to 143. Uh, I'm going to ask a question to both of you. Uh, you mentioned about the Kazakhstan guy being stronger than you are. And it seems like I'm looking at the list of winners uh, and the people that place and took medal. Kazakhstan has, as a team, made a huge progress in the last few years. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Team USA? No, Kazakhstan. Oh, Most Kazakhstan. Like, yeah. Most uh, Kazakh guy, and uh, yeah. I'm looking at the list, and it seems like you know, uh, almost in every category, they're in top four. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I okay, both those first. Yeah, you know, my only you know, I didn't go to the world when it was in Kazakhstan, but I had heard that they're an extremely strong country who probably wasn't taking full teams to the world championships in the past and I think you're just seeing a lot more people going uh, I think they've always been this strong they just didn't go to the world and right, now they're so going it's another country to watch out now you know we were always concerned about Russians Ukrainians and uh, right. Bulgarians and now uh, Kazakhstan is another one to watch out yeah well you know the world like you I was listening to you guys talk about you know the world and the level of pullers that are at the world championships versus say you know the WAL UAL PAL things like that and and the reality is is you know if you really look at the top 5 guys in every weight class at every one of those tournaments uh the the dub or the 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 WAF world championships is still the toughest event in the world. I agree with you. Yeah, me too. I, I, mean, I 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you. yes, you do have, you know, like the, this last WAL tournament, it was incredible. They were absolute 
monster, monster pullers in there. But anything past the top three at the WAL wouldn't place in the top eight at the WAF. Hmm. You know? Because, you know, it's just getting so deep. I mean, like, you know, Vosgen is uh, arguably the number one puller in the USA in the 154s. Uh, And he did an incredible job at the world. And, you know, due to some crap that happened, apparently, he ended up in ninth place in a class of, like, you know, 26 guys. I mean, you've got a 10th place guy at the world championship who would probably come over to the U.S. and nearly and nearly beat every 154-pound guy from the U.S. You know, the depth you know, is just incredible at the world. I'll, I'll give you another example. Well, uh, maybe it will make more sense or people can rationalize better. Uh, Roman competed 143, took third with my hand, and he beat it one of our best guys here. Uh, Chet Silvers, if you remember. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. Yep, I, I and, remember that. I, yeah, and, and Chet was about 187 or 176-187 range, and Roman was, yep. again, 143 that day. So just yep. to compare the strength levels, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it, it, it's crazy. And then, you know, there's every year, you know, I've gone to the world a lot. You know, I compete in the Masters now. I'm an old guy. And every year, there's always a half a dozen or more pullers from the U.S. that have do really well here in the U.S. And it's the first time in the World Championship, and and they don't do as well as they thought they would do. And unfortunately, uh, that's still kind of the reality. You know, the reality is is you know, some of the top guys in the U.S. still could not hang at the World Championships. Now, there's always exceptions, you know. I mean, you know, the I would say the top 154-pounder in the U.S., the top 160, like our number one guy, if we had the, all the number one guys go, I think they could start to do well. For example, like Paul Talbot, left-handed, I think Paul Talbot, left-handed, could win the world championships in the 165-pound division. Um, but I doubt we'll ever see it because the world championships, unfortunately, doesn't pay any money and it costs a lot of money to go. You know, uh, so we do have great talent here in the U.S., but you know they can't afford to go to the world championships. But the, just in my opinion, like the single one elite guy in each of the weight classes is the only one that would really do well at the world championships. Right. Yeah. And uh, deep depth, depth, I guess. It's, uh, I about the same issue. Yeah, I wanted to add something with Team Kazakhstan's success, which concerns to others. I know personally their vice president, Ahmed Aliyev, he brings the team every year. So Team Kazakhstan and Federation gets money from government to support the sport in the country. They pay for their travel expenses, 
and winners later get money awards in their country. This is number one thing to make the team stronger. So people in Kazakhstan nationals, they kill each other to get the spot in the national team. And I didn't even know that. Federation, our federation, USAS, has nothing, no budget, no connections with government, totally zero power. The only thing that federation is doing for the Team USA is sending the paperwork to the World Championship to register the team. I understand that Simon and other leaders of the federation, they cannot do anything more because there is no money, there is no financial support to provide the business. But still, uh, we can observe some things, some decisions in federation that simply slows down in USA or totally stops the progress. What I mean, first thing, remember this year's Unified Nationals in Las Vegas. Smallest Nationals ever, the weakest Nationals ever. A guy in my weight class lost twice and took third place. Mm. And the, you can say the Nationals was between two major events, WAL and UAL. Okay, I accept that. And it directly affected on the quantity of pullers. But there is one more thing that nobody talks about that, but it is very, very important in my opinion. And I want, if someone from the board members can hear now, I want they think about this matter. I mean doping testing. Federation accepted doping testing decision for this year, and they started to test. Great decision from the first look. It's fair... Honest game, everybody clean, nice. Okay, but what is happening in really? I I was waiting for the Team USA performance in the world, and you know what I saw there? I saw small, nice birds among eagles. Everybody come to the world championship from other countries, supercharged. But USA athletes, they cannot show to nationals using some steroids because there is already testing. And after that, there is like two and a half months till the world. They cannot take anything and get cleaned. Simply, there is no time enough for that. And go to the world, super strong. So they go there clean, nice, and weak. This is the reality. Maybe I look a little bit rude or too much open conversation, but this is the reality. And Federation has no money, has no budget, and paying for all those tests, I don't know, $200 or 300 for each test. So the money was wasted in reality. Like, who, who they were testing at Nationals? <laughs> like, new guys? Nobody came there. Like They wasted the money. And doping testing didn't bring any good thing for the Team USA. Team USA showed to the World Championship weakest ever. Seniors, I mean. Masters, they did great. Everybody won. 
team took second place in Masters in veterans team points. But this is the part of the team. The seniors, they did nothing. This is one of the major concerns that today Federation made early decision about this doping testing. If they cancel doping testing, it will help American athletes to make the national stronger and the team stronger. This is the reality. But they do the testing at the WAF as well, right? So yes, but everybody knows that you can take some certain substances and after some period of time, body gets clean, mm-hmm. but still you show they're strong. But U.S. athletes, they don't have enough time for that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying... So what you're saying is all the other nations were on and uh, American athletes were clean? Or American athletes were, the, were clean with a few other nations? Is that what you're saying? And the top guys were all on? Almost 90% were on. What do you think about that, Bob? Well, I generally am not the kind of person to (laughs) speculate an opinion. I like to deal with facts, but in this case, uh, I would venture to bet that Vosgen is right. I mean, uh, like them, don't like them, you know, everyone's got their opinion about steroids and all that stuff. Uh, But if anyone thinks that most of the top guys at the world championships are not mm-hmm. using, I think they're just naive. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, whether whether you agree with using or not, that's that's a whole different conversation. But if you don't think that the top guys at the world championships or the top guys at any of the major league <laughs> tournaments nowadays aren't using something, I mm-hmm. think you're being. I think you're just naive. I just wanted to add something there, too, is like what Vasquez was saying is like, you know, and it happens in the Olympics, too, like with the drug testing, with the IOC, a lot of these other countries, you know, their their drug testings are are really kind of a farce you know, reality here in America, we're, we're put through the ringer. And, uh, you know, when you qualify for the worlds and you are drug tested and these other countries qualify and they're not drug tested, it gives a you know unfair advantage for anybody going overseas to compete, and also you know like Vasquez was saying, it doesn't give them any time to if they want to do a a short cycle for eight weeks to prepare or whatever. Right. They're already at a disadvantage, and then you got these guys, and, and and I did notice that just by watching you know some matches on YouTube, these guys you know are all pumped up like. Uh, and just a whole different world over there. And I think, uh, you know, it sets us back if you're going to test. Right. It has to be fair all through the board, you know, and it's just not that way. Right. And it happens all the time in the Olympics, too. Uh, you know, we, you know, for example, our sprinters are tested, and if they don't show up, they're suspended. But in Jamaica, you know, they get to go through this period of time where, you know, a Usain Bolt gets drug tested once while our sprinters get drug tested four or five times over the year. So, once again, right. it's, a, it's an unfair advantage with doping. And until that gets fixed, you, you shouldn't dope test because then, you know, it's it's then it's a, a, a level playing field that way. And if you take the choice and you want to do drugs, then that's your choice. But to give an unfair advantage to a, a nation, it's just not fair. 
In addition of that, Olympic sports, they get financial support mm -hmm. from sponsors and some other organizations. We, USAF, doesn't pay anything to the team member. Doesn't support right. in any way. So why you are testing me? Why you mm -hmm. are slowing down? Why you are? What mm -hmm. you want to say? You, they can come knock my door anytime and mm -hmm. take me to the mm -hmm. test. But mm -hmm. if you don't help me to go to the world, why mm -hmm. you are testing you? Who are you? And the money you are wasting on the doping yeah. test could be spent on you guys. Make a better right. promotion in nationals. Help someone. The only guy, the only man who supported in this world championship from officials, let's say like this, was Bob Brown. He gave me his $500 money award for his preferred team member, let's say like this, which is a huge thanks from me. And it was really, really helpful. And Federation just does nothing. How do you guys think... Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like maybe they can set aside some fundraisers or something can be done where they can add money and support to to continue on this because like eventually what's going to happen is you're going to have less and less people wanting to go over there and spend three or four thousand dollars out of their own pocket and not get anything in return right. except for a medal. And I know the prestige, of course, because all right. you guys have been in this sport for years where you've traveled and traveled for a trophy. And it's just the the sport because you guys all love it now. And everybody wants twenty thousand dollars or ten thousand exactly. dollars. They're not pulling out a exactly. tournament, and all of a sudden, everybody for some reason, you know, is they're you know they just they they think they deserve it now. You know what I mean? And, and then now you got this prestigious right. event like the WAF, which to me is like the Olympics of arm wrestling fading away. And year after year, like me and Alan talked about it last week. The best guys aren't going over there still. You know what I'm saying? Like our right. best guys are not filling that team up. And if we did, you know, we it would be worth it. Then we would be like dominating over there. You know, I think. I mean, it would it would be a lot better than what's right. going on now. You know, so yeah. Now, when I when I was on the USAF board uh, years ago, you know, I told the board they, they in my opinion, most of the stuff that they discussed was a complete waste of time. The mm -hmm. only thing the USAF board should concern itself with is figuring out ways to raise money to send mm -hmm. Team USA to the World Championships. That's the, only, that's the singular only thing. Now, and I grant that that's a very difficult thing. I mean, money, trying to get money in, in the U.S., especially, you know, in the last five years has been a very difficult thing, but that should be the that should be the singular and only concern that, that they should be doing. And you know, back in uh, 07, 08, you know, when I did the nationals here, uh, you know, I'm in a good financial position, so I didn't take any money, my host money, for running the nationals, and I gave all the money back to Team USA. And I think we ended up giving every member that went up there about two or three. I remember that. In Canada, yeah. each member got yeah, when we were in Canada. sixty dollars and we were yeah. about like sixty, seventy guys. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah we raised like we raised like twelve grand or something like that that year. Right, right. Um and they're the kind of things I mean, you know, in reality if you want to send the best 
and I agree with what you just said, Craig. If we truly sent the absolute best guy there was in every weight class, left and right-handed, open senior division and master's division, one, I think we would win every single master division. We'd win every mm-hmm. single one. We'd probably we'd get first and second in every single one. And then the senior divisions, I think we've got, you know, much better than this year. Yeah, we've got four or five <laughs> guys that could that could win. Todd mm-hmm. Hutchins can win. John Berzink mm-hmm. can win. Dave Chafee can win. Travis Padgett can win. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Paul Talbot can win. Uh, Corey Miller got a shot. You know, Vosgin uh, probably should have gotten third this year. Definitely mm-hmm. has a shot. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a. I mean, and I don't. I don't blame these guys. It's called, like it's three thousand bucks to go to a world championship to mm-hmm. win a medal. That is a lot of freaking money mm-hmm. for people, you know. And but in my opinion, if you want to, if you want to be the best in the world, you need to go to the world championships, and you need to figure out a way to raise that money for yourself, you know. Yeah, but our guys, they found the solution, Bob. They win one super match here, they call themselves world champions. Well, (laughs) that's true. That is true. 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 Okay, Bob, you and me, we were there. Tell everybody that if you want to become a world champion, you must go to the world championship. Exactly. That's true. you, you, You do. I mean... Now, I'll say this. When I started in arm wrestling, uh, which was in the mid to late 80s, uh, people told me I, I didn't care about being the world champ. I cared about being the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And back then, it was Dave Patton. you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking back then, if I win a world championship and Dave Patton's not there, I'm going to go home and drive down to his house and take that trophy with me and pull him. You know? <laughs> I wanted to be the best in the world. I didn't care about being a world champion. And I think there's a lot of guys who have that same mentality because it is, especially today, you can be considered the best in the world without actually going to the world championships. You just need to, you know, if, if, uh, if, Bartek Zoloff is the best in the world, and you want to be number one, Todd Hutchins, then just go to A1 and beat him. All right? Mm-hmm. You're the best. In the, you didn't win a world championship, but everyone considers you the best in the world. So I think that the title, you know, is different for different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially with nationals like Basque. He uh, touched on that earlier with the weakness of nationals. You know, I went to Triple A's this year, and unfortunately, with WAL being right around the corner, you know, you go there and you know I play second in a weak class, and I'm thinking, God, you know what? There's no top ten guys here, so it wasn't even like, you know, it wasn't even like uh, I could say, oh wow, the you know, even if I would have won a national title, it's like, oh wow, it's there's no one there. It's watered down, it's right. separated. Right. Everybody's gone. It's like who did who did I beat? Nobody. But those other people out there, I've seen guys leave there, 
and uh, all of a sudden they're placing second and they're on Facebook going, I play second and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, there's no one there. And I don't want to take that away from, you know, their prestige of doing good. But when you beat nobody, it's like it doesn't, you know what I mean? It's not worth it then. It's like, Oh, I, it, I, I agree, which is, I mean, that brings it back to the another topic of, you know, another thing I've always thought. There should only be one national championship. When, mm. when I was on the USAF board, I tried to get uh, the AAA to change mm. its title instead of AAA National Championship to just call it something else, like AAA, mm. AAA Championship, yeah. you know, and, and the USAA, Leonard and Denise, mm-hmm. I tried to get mm-hmm. them to be like, you know, the the – Pro-Am Invitational Champion or something, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. have the USAF be the one and only Nationals, and unfortunately that got shot down pretty hard. Yeah, and I want to add something you know. else, if you allow. So when they made the decision for AAA as another qualifying Yeah, yeah, exactly. I told everybody this is the last day of USAF. Because when USAF was created, it was the united decision of a united team. So we have only one national that qualifies for the team. This is the idea of USAF. Mm-hmm. This year, they said AAA is also qualifying. Mm-hmm. So they just destroyed yeah. USAF. And right. USAF is testing AAA is not testing. It makes absolutely no sense. Fair? Is this fair? I asked this question to Federation officials, and guess what was the reply? Silence. Ignore. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. They yeah. just made the decision and did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know, I cannot change that. But this was a voice of, I don't know, just make it fair game for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, I would. Um, I'd, I'd kind of like to switch gears here a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Bob. And, and talk just a little about the World Championships in Malaysia, because mm-hmm. um, it was run, you know, by a different. I'm not even sure who was running the event uh, last year. It was Igor and and Marcin and. And I know Marcin was kind of still overseeing things this year. But yeah, he is the technical them. director of WAF. He right. was still running, Marcin. Yeah, but the, I'll tell you, the event was incredible. I mean, Malaysia, in my opinion, did a fantastic job. The, 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 the venue was inside the main hotel that everyone stayed at, which is mm-hmm. incredible. Normally you got to get bussed 50 miles away and you know, you're stuck in the middle of nowhere, but uh, it was run smooth. It, the show was good. The lighting was good. The organization was good. The talent was, I was curious. Like I thought Brazil was a little weaker world mm-hmm. because no one wanted to fly all the way down to Brazil. And I kind of expected Malaysia to be, a little weaker and it wasn't it was i mean all the all the main top guys were there and uh i i just thought it was a fantastic event um and i just you know i just wanted to put that out there because i know a lot of people were thinking uh without igor and and uh uh marson 
being full on in charge of everything that it was going to crap the bed. And quite frankly, I fully assumed it to crap the bed mm -hmm. uh, and not be a very good event. But I was so wrong about that. It, they did a great job. Yeah, I totally agree with Bob. Yeah. Now, I wanted to touch on a couple things because um, Alan was really kind of adamant of, uh, you know, explaining a few stories that happened with some, uh, you know, you guys getting together as a team. I mean, Bob, I mean, uh, I know one of the girls there, uh, you know, she got her wallet stolen. Um, everybody came together. I know there was a, the situation where the American flag wasn't there and, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your perspective of what happened there with all those crazy events happening and the team just coming together united as a big family. Well, and I'll tell you, that is exactly what always happens at the World Championships. It's the only time I actually feel like I'm that we're on a team, mm -hmm. you know, when we go there. All of a sudden even though Simon Baricello is in my weight class, we are still team members cheering each other on. I mean, it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, Taylor Johnson, unfortunately did get some money stolen. Uh, I don't really know how or why I just heard it got stolen and everybody passed the hat. And I think she, lo I think she lost like 900 bucks is what yep, got stolen. Yep. And everybody passed the hat and, uh, I think she pretty much got it all back. I really don't know exactly how much was yeah. collected. I, I know me and my wife gave some money. And, uh, and then uh, the flag, I think, was in either Simon's luggage or someone's luggage, and it never made it. And Robert Baxter mm -hmm. went, to, uh, went to the concierge of the hotel and said, where can I get an American flag? And the concierge at the hotel said, oh, well, you got to go here, here, and here to get it. And Robert said, great, can you get me a cab? And he was ready to go. And the concierge said, no, I'll take care of it, sir. You just don't worry, I'll take care of it. So the concierge went out, and, you know, Robert still paid for the flag and paid for the, mm -hmm. the taxi and stuff. But And then um, uh, the other uh, gentleman on Team USA paid for half of it. And I'm, I'm, forgive me, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, he was a ma he was a grandmaster in the 165 pound division, hanging out with Alan Bound, and I feel terrible because I'm blanking on his name. But he also uh, uh, gave half the money to get the flag there. So that was, I mean, that was really cool. And that, that that's what happens at the Worlds. Everyone kind of helps everybody out. Yeah, no, it's right. amazing. And uh, when you go to such travels you should consider such risks and just have a pocket with Ziploc, a small <laughs> bag yep. and something. If you lose your money, it's your, your fault, I think. Yeah. So more attention because you might lose your passport. It's a mm -hmm. bigger problem. <laughs> and, and, t and Taylor's young, and I'm sure she learned a, a big learning experience with that. But Vasco, i got to ask you, man, disappointment. You're talking about losing a match, elbow foul. I mean, you took it humbly as a true champion that you are. But, I mean, how I mean, how, how do you how you deal with that? I mean, you, you fly over there, you spend your own money, and you get kind of shafted by the referees. I mean, what do you do, man? Like, how do you handle that as a true champion? And, and does that motivate you to come back bigger and stronger next year? Well, I have some different feelings about this situation. 
In the very beginning, right on the stage, when I got the final decision from referee, and I saw that there is no way I can win any protest about this, I just smiled and left the stage. So there is nothing I can do with this. But from the other side, this situation happened with me for the first time. I never had such a situation. And uh, I prepared so hard and so good for this world. And having such a decision, yeah, it brings bad feelings. But I saw something there that made me feel better. I saw that I was not... I lost because I was not a weak guy. Uh, I, I, I lost, but I, I was a strong guy. I could mm-hmm. pull anyone there. So if i weak guy and I lose, huh, yeah, the problem is because I was weak. So I had a good preparation. I was very, very strong. And this preparation will help me to pull in upcoming Vendetta on October 24th. Mm-hmm. Which, I'll, which I'll be at, by the way, if you didn't All know right. I'm coming down to watch. Good. Yeah, that's great. And because afterwards, I came back October 5th, and the match is October 24th, like 19 days to prepare. Well, I prepared for Vendetta with the World Championship. I just finalized my training for the six-round arm fight with Corey Miller. Mm-hmm. So the feeling that, yes, I was a strong guy made me feel better in this tough situation. Now, you, you touched on Vendetta coming up. I mean, Corey Miller, you guys haven't pulled in about five years. I mean, how excited are you for this event? I mean, this is something that, I mean, it's going to be huge in the, you know, in my eyes. This is a matchup that I, I've been dying to see again. I mean, how how motivated are you to uh, to be a part of this again? Well, we haven't pulled since 2009 AAA Nationals in San okay. Antonio, Texas. But before that, we pulled many times. Yes. And after 2009, me and Corey, we never met. He changed his weight class. So we were in the same tournament, but different weight classes. Now, here you go. There is a good, good stage for this. I think it's a wanted, most wanted match in lightweight. And the place where we meet is very cool. It is Vendetta Arm Fight. We all know the level of this elite club. We know who pulls in this elite club. We know the promoter, Igor Mazurenko. We know what he can do in promotion and organization work. So this is some exclusive place. And this match is perfectly for this exclusive place. Mm-hmm. I feel very happy yeah. about this. Is there a, hey, Vosgan, is, is there a weight class for this match with Corey? Officially, there is 70 kilo weight class. Oh, okay. 70 kilo? Yes. Corey's got to make 154 pounds? Interesting. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, well, this will be interesting. Mm-hmm. He had an ankle injury, too, I guess, so it's going to be hard for him to do any cardio if he does any. Who? Oh, Corey, Corey has an, 
I yeah, think he's yeah. sitting at I sitting at one sixty five right now, so I don't think it's going to be a, a big deal for Corey to make weight. I just talked oh. to him today, so yeah, I think oh, he'll be cool. fine. And, yeah, so. right on, very cool. Yeah, I haven't talked. Last time I talked to Corey, he was in the high one sixties, low one seventies, but I haven't talked oh. to him in a long time. So that's good that he's yeah, good. I'm I'm excited for these matches. I'm super excited. Yeah, but what no matter how much uh, how much weight he cuts. He is still, I expect, a very, very dangerous Corey Mueller. Very, okay. very strong Corey Mueller. And I expect the very, very best from him. And yeah. where, where do you see the match ending up, Laskin? I mean, can you give us some insight? What is your opinion? You guys both like insights, but Corey has a different style than you. What do you think is going to happen? Well, if you, see, if you read all those comments on social media and other stuff, Probably the majority, 90%, gives advantage to Corey Miller. But all those comments, all those guys, they are probably not the experts. So their opinion is mostly emotional, which is understandable, no problems, friends, relatives, you know. My opinion is I think I can handle this challenge, but it will be very, very hard. No, I'm slower puller than Corey Miller. He is extremely fast. So the main weapon of Corey is his speed. This is the first thing I must be very, very careful. And I think I might I I can win this arm fight. Well most guys they will not agree with me, but time will show. <laughs> but what is very important and I like it is both athletes, me and Corey, we have very polite and respective campaign about this vendetta. Nobody talks crap, nothing. And it cannot be such a thing for vendetta. This is totally different club, totally different level, not a regular super match with the regular guys, which is totally expected. Well, what can you talking about vendetta, pal? Uh, getting um you know more and more events in the United States. Can you tell us a bit about that? What what's going on? What are the plans of Igor for the future? Well for Vendetta Arm Fight forty three, the last one, they had a contract with CBS Sports Network for for matches, eight pullers. And for this one, CBS Sports they requested already six matches, 12 pullers. This means something. This means the TV company, they liked whatever Igor made. So they gave him more more time on TV, which brings more opportunities, you know, more work with some possible sponsors. It brings some more chances to make a progress and... The first thing he did in Data 43 was wonderful. It was awesome. You should be there to watch it. Like, Bob will, will go there on October 24. He, know, he knows what is Vendetta. He knows what is Nemirov. He knows what is Worlds. And he will see something better than all this. Organization is fantastic. There is no Olympic Games to compare with this show. There is no 
UFC or professional boxing match to compare this vendetta organization. They can go and learn from PAL. Yeah, I'm excited can, for him. What do you think? Uh, what do you think? PAL uh, versus WAL are they uh, a threat to each other, or are they uh, killing the synergy, or what's going on on that wise? And it, this can be your opinion, of course. Yeah, I think WAL and PAL are totally different style of promotion, and they have totally different ideas about whatever they do. They are not in competition yet, and they have totally different money funds. So, WAL has good financial stuff. It makes him big, huge, good tournaments, and good money awards. But I don't believe their promotion and organization, tournament organization, Aspect is on the highest level. PAL, Igor Mazurenko, doesn't have yet that much money funds, but they make small events, they make fantastic organized events. It's on TV too. Igor pays his athletes travel expenses. Igor mm -hmm. pays his athletes in case of win or loss. It's a different contract with different athletes. Everybody leave PAL Vendetta happy. One more thing. If you are nobody or you are a domestic puller, somehow you got in Vendetta on fight. After Vendetta, you are famous. You are world famous. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows you. Igor yeah. can rise you as a star before Vendetta. Can do all yeah. the promotion, and after Vendetta, everybody knows you. You cannot mm -hmm. say this about WAO. Yeah, and I, I I agree with what Vazimir has said. I don't think, I think that PAL versus WAL, they're <clears throat> two totally different organizations, mm -hmm. obviously, but they do. One is a tournament, trying to find the best puller in the country, world, whatever you want to call it. And the other is just, you know, one-on-one -on -one sparring matches. And at the end of the day, I don't think they compete with each other. And what's going to allow any of these, either of these organizations to succeed is the television show that they're making. Because, let's, I mean, like the UAL couldn't make any money, you know. I don't think, I mean, I think Robert Drink put on a lot of really exciting tournaments but he didn't make one penny off of any of the events and you know he's sitting on the sidelines right now whether he'll come back or not i don't know and then you got the wal they've shelled out a ton of money they've made a lot of television shows but unless they make money unless these television shows make money well eventually they're gonna they're gonna fold up and it's in my opinion the quality of the television show that is going to be the driving force of whether the PAL or the WAL or eventually maybe come back to UAL to actually have a long, you know, standing sport on television where people can, you know, possibly 
you know, make some money, you know, and, you know, and have it be a legitimate professional sport that's going to last. You know, if the, I think the ratings of the WAL show were pretty good. I think they liked them. Um, I am pretty confident that they're moving forward with the 2016 season. Uh, and they've already been talking about a 2017 season. So I, I think they're happy. I don't know if they've landed any kind of corporate sponsor or anything like that. And based on, I didn't even know about what Vosgen just said. I guess, you know, if PAL only had four matches on C- CBS and now they requested six matches, then I, I'm assuming CBS must like it. And that's the thing. I mean, which if I think because the shows that these guys are producing are two totally different styles, one-on-one matches versus tournament, I don't think they compete with each other at all. I think they can both succeed you know they both got a chance of succeeding and the same time let's not forget that PAL has his tournament too which is Zlote Tour Nimirov now Golden Throne yeah right which is the Mm -hmm. most respected international tournament in the world everybody Mm -hmm. go there from all over the world and is to be considered probably the best international tournament ever with his strength level organization stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually, speaking of that, I uh, was just talking to Michael Todd today, and he's going to be uh, planning on making the trip this year to Nimrov, pulling just left-handed, of course. But um, So uh, a lot of a lot of guys are going to be making that trip out there. It's going to be an awesome event again. And, uh, you know, it's great to see, uh, you know, people out there supporting those huge events like that. And i got to ask yeah. you, Vasque, I mean, what was it like being a part of that whole PAL, CBS, I mean, what was that whole experience like for you, being on TV and all that? Well, I watched the first show on CBS Sports. It was me and and Tim Bresnan match. Yeah. So, uh, it was like 40 minutes, just, just four of us. Like mm-hmm. all the time. I remember one guy was two seconds on ESPN and he was <laughs> he was all over the Facebook. Like it was two seconds. I was like thirty five, forty minutes there. <laughs> and it was awesome, wonderful. And you know what? You don't sign any slavery contract with PAL. They huh. just reserve the rights with the T V show only. Whatever appears on T V, you are free to pull everywhere. I would love to go to WAL tournaments too, but their slavery contracts stop me. Why I call it slavery? Because for me, if I want to go everywhere and pull everywhere, their contract just stops me in WAL only. I cannot go anywhere else. For others who go to WAL only, it's perfectly fine for them. Anyway, they go there. So to sign the paper or not to sign, it's not a big deal for them. For domestic puller, it's fine. For those who go everywhere and internationally, it's not fine. PAL gives you freedom. Hmm. Well, that's awesome to know, man, because uh, with all these contracts and, you know, stipulations and you can't pull here and, you know, it's kind of, 
you know, we saw that with the UAL with, you know, John sitting around for, you know, almost a year, Michael Todd really doing nothing, um, you know, because of these contracts. And it's nice to be able to see these guys finally able to pull. Corey Miller. Another, yep, Corey Miller, again, another guy that sat around and, you know, never really got an opportunity to pull in some of these events because of contracts that were really broken promises, you know, and uh, now it's nice to see uh, people being able to have the freedom to compete. Right, yeah, that's, um, I'm hoping that the WAL changes. I mean, I think that was a major mistake that the UAL did was mm-hmm. having, their con- having their athletes locked up. Uh, I think that is, again, a, a mistake that the WAL is making. Um, I don't think they should do that. Uh, you know, apparently the PAL is not doing that, so that's good. So I'm, I'm hoping the WAL changes its mind about that. But yeah, only, but only time, only time will tell. Now that mistake works for them. Mm. Yeah. What if some other competition will come? Some other organization will arrive in the market. They have to right. review their things. Yeah. Well, uh, so. I, I got a, I got a different question. I want to change directions here, uh, okay. and, and this is gonna be for both of you guys. Uh, Bob, we know you've been uh, training with John Berzang for many years, and uh, you had to. Uh, years of training experience with uh, Tata Chings as well. So you have seen those uh, training schools. And Waskan, you're coming from uh, uh, kind of like a Russian, uh, Eastern European uh, training background. Uh, So uh, can you guys give some opinion about these different training, uh, you know, uh, schools? What do you guys think about (laughs) all that? I could tell you... I oh I could tell you some funny stories. Uh, the last time, so you know, John lives down in Phoenix now or Mesa. I went down and visit him down there, and Todd's down there, and we're staying at his house. And you know, the drinks start flowing, and we start yakking about training and blah blah. And you know, John and Todd are like polar opposites when it comes to training. John only thinks you should train on the table, and Todd's like just lift weights and you don't need much table time and I'm the guy who's like you know no you need a blend of both and you know when we've been drinking and you know half of the bottle of whiskey's gone it's I'm telling you if we had those conversations on video we could make a lot of money <laughs> they're <laughs> hilarious <laughs> but I I remember a time in my cabin when they were still all living here we were up in the mountains in my cabin and in the kitchen, uh, there, there's a kitchen table counter. It's a really wide counter. So if you can picture this, between two arm wrestlers, you know, an arm wrestling table is 24 inches or 26 inches. But if you're at a counter and there's like 40 inches in between the two people and you got Todd, who's a hooker, and John, who's a top roller, who's going to just drag Todd's body clear across this counter with, again, a half a bottle of whiskey in all of us. It It is hilarious when they're like, John, you know, John just crushes Todd. He's like, tell me about that training again. How's that lifting weights working for you, Todd, as he's 
crushing them going sideways and you need more table time you need more t- oh it's just the funniest thing in the world but at the to, but to answer your question um i think john and todd train more similarly than they either care to admit or even realize because at the end of the day, what I think is most important when it comes to training is variation of your exercises. And what I mean by that is sometimes, let's just say you're on a pulley system and you're doing this a back pressure thing. You got a pulley in front of you or some kind of band in front of you and you're just pulling it back towards you like you're doing back pressure. You need to do single rep maximums you know, one rep maximums, mm-hmm. you need to do 12 rep maximums, you need to do maximums for time, you know, how much can you hold for 30 seconds, how much can you hold for five seconds, and you need to vary how you do each exercise by max effort, by time, and by number of reps. And sometimes it's low time, sometimes it's low reps, sometimes it's high time, sometimes it's high reps, all on the same exercise. For back pressure, side pressure, pronation, knuckles up, I mean, everything there is to do about arm wrestling, you need to keep mixing it all up. Now, here's the thing. John does that. He does max effort for single rep maxes. He does max effort for time for long periods of time, short periods of time. So if you think, but the difference between John and Todd is John does it with another person's arm. Mm -hmm. Todd does it with weight. So Todd can prove with numbers if he's getting stronger or not. Where John can't necessarily prove it, but to give you an example, Todd will do a back pressure exercise with a band and he'll go as, he'll hold a band for as long as he possibly can, you know, and and he'll gauge the strength of the band so he knows that you know sometime within a minute or two minutes he's gonna, he's going to fail. John comes to practice, grabs the first guy at practice, and just holds him in the center of the table, and John's pulling back pressure, and he'll just hold him until that guy quits. And then he gets another guy immediately, and he'll just hold him until that guy quits, and then the next guy quits. And and eventually, John gets tired, and he fails. Well, if you think about it, both John and Todd just did the exact same exercise. John just did it with someone's arm, and Todd did it with a band. But they both went to failure for a long period of time. Then if you're going to do single rep maximums, when John and I practice together, you know, at some point during the day, John always, or, and sometimes it's the very first thing in practice. Sometimes it's the last thing in practice. He's like, all right, Bob, grab me with two arms. I grab him with two hands. He fires back as hard as he possibly can. There's his single rep maximum. You know, he just does it. He doesn't really know how much he's pulling, but he just pulls as hard as he possibly can. And, and when he, when he fails, which he'll fail in like five seconds, you know, he takes a short break and he does it again. So again, the concepts of how they work out is, is really the same. They just do it with different equipment. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if that what, long-winded answer answered your question. Well, that, yeah, that was a perfect analogy, actually. I liked it. Uh, Waskin, what do you think? You're coming from a different school. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, truly, I came from... Armenian armistling school is same as Russian school, Eastern European school, and some Central Asian countries. I mean, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. Well, we pay same big attention to both table time and lifting weights. Both are important. But at the same time, we can't forget about lifting weights and just spend all the time pulling each other at the gym, whatever it happens. And we are always in touch with training schools in Vladikavkaz, North Ossetia, Georgia, Moscow. We usually visit each other and just do some training before when I was in Armenia. So when I came to America, I am a Eastern European style puller. American pullers first met me, they had some inconvenience, difficulties with pulling styles, well, they can learn quickly what to put against. It's normal. But what changes I experienced? I saved my skills as an Eastern European style puller and enriched that with North American traditions in arm wrestling. It made my arsenal much richer. And now at the World Championship, I can do some tricks and skills that it makes not comfortable for, for example, with Russian puller or some other European country puller. Well, it helped me a lot. So I have both styles. I can use anything in any situation. Yeah, I think the average, if you went to the average practice in the U.S., You'd have a bunch of guys arm wrestling each other just trying to win matches. You know, you go to a practice and everyone's just trying to beat each other. Instead of actually training, mm-hmm. you know, um, where John, he's, all, you know, he's top dog at practice. And it's probably the same for whatever guy happens to be top dog at practice. That guy... He's not trying to just beat everybody because he knows he can. He can just destroy everyone at practice any time. So that guy ends up actually working out at a practice because he'll hold five guys till they quit and then have used two hands or use a hand and a band. He has to figure out ways to work out because he's the top dog at practice. Everyone else, is just trying to win matches. And I think in just in the last year, uh, American pullers have started to realize that that's not the best way to practice. Uh, you need to incorporate either a very systematic way of arm wrestling or you need to incorporate, like Vosgen just said, lifting weights, bands, cables, pronation, supination, side pressure, back pressure, and then once a week, once every two weeks, table time, you know, um, whenever, whenever people come to me and they say, Hey Bob, I want to, I really want to take arm wrestling seriously. What do you think I should do? 
my first response to them is arm wrestle every day. And they're like, oh, I can't arm wrestle every day. I'll kill my mom. I'll fall off. I said, nope, you can do it. Arm wrestle every day. And they still don't believe it. I said, look, I didn't ask you to arm wrestle every day like you're trying, like you're going 100% trying to kill each other. You know, if I said go to the gym and work your back out every day, you could do that. Everyone would know what to do. But when you say arm wrestle every day, all of a sudden it's like, well, what are you talking about? All I ever do is arm wrestle as hard as I can, go 100%, my arm will fall off. I said, well, then go 50%, go 25%. Figure out a way. If all you ever want to do is arm wrestle and you don't want to lift weights, then figure out a way to make your arm wrestling workout an actual workout and not mm. just two guys <sighs> checking the size of their dicks. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Bob, I got to tell you, that advice you had given me the last time you were on the show last year um, with that, and we kind of had the analogy of it's like a carpenter going to work. If his hand's sore, he still goes to work and hits sledges, you know, the hammer around. Um, exactly. And I kind of I took that philosophy because a lot of people would always tell me, oh, you're training too much. But it's the intensity and the percentage of what you're doing versus, you know, doing max effort every day. So I just want to thank you for right. that advice because that was really uh, – it really helped me in my training over the past year and a half. So. Oh, no, you're very welcome. Absolutely. I mean, I think the human body and the human arm is capable of way more mm-hmm. than what we have been doing with it, I think. American pullers are starting to learn they can do a lot more. I mean, if you ever if you if you went to Todd Hutchins and worked out with him for a week, mm-hmm. your arm would probably fall off. Yep. With the with the amount of volume that he does and intensity that he does. But if you continued to do it, Build after about the, oh after about the fourth week, you'd be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of guys come to me after the WAL regionals and they said, "Hey Bob, I want to take it serious." Can you train us? I said, yeah, sure, whatever. No one, you know, they're not going to show up because guys never show up. Yeah. <laughs> well, then I had to get, yeah, I had to get ready for A1. So I called them up and I said, look, you guys want to get serious? I'll be in my shop every day at 5 o'clock. Show up. Mm-hmm. Well, they started showing up every day at 5 o'clock. And wow. sure enough, a, you know, a week into it, their arms are just falling off their bodies. I said, trust me, you're, you'll adapt. Your bodies will adapt. I guarantee it. You'll get stronger. And sure enough, after about the fourth week, their arms are starting to feel good. The numbers are all, you know, we keep real close detail on numbers and what we lift mm-hmm. and how long and reps. And blah. Numbers all starting to come up. Strength is all starting to come up. You know, we go to a we, we, we go to a traditional practice, you know, like where everyone's just checking the size of their dicks. And all the guys are like, oh, my God, Bob, I don't know what you're doing with, you know, these guys, you know. Carlos and Cody, but they're freaking a ton stronger than they used to be. I'm like, yeah, well, they're finally taking it serious. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Probably I have the same trainings like Bob told about John. And uh, we don't do just crush each other. We we create some situations though which are close to real and try to find solutions in these situations, which makes our technique much better, and pullers start to think while they are pulling. 
and it must happen very, very quickly because you don't have time in real match. And all of them who attend our practice, which we call our bandits practice, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they learn a lot and they learn fast. As a result, my students called juniors at the World Championship, Alex Delatori, took fifth place. He's just training two years. And the reason he lost, because his opponent was much more physically stronger than him, which is a subject of time. You, know, you need to train a little bit more to get stronger. But Alex pulled technically the best of all his opponents. He was thinking, he was creating solutions against any technique. He can put anything against opponent's attack or defense. So we have smart thinking arm wrestler at our practice. Well, sometimes we enjoy it. We have fun just doing crashing each other too, but not every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, guys, we're running out of time. I want to thank you guys for both coming on the show. I'd love to have you back on again uh, and talk a lot more about training and stuff. Uh, We could go on for hours, but uh, I just want to thank you guys. Uh, Congratulations, Bass. I want to just wish you the best of luck coming up on the 24th, man, and uh, your match against Corey Miller. Uh, It's going to be exciting and uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing you guys back on the table. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Take care, guys. Country Crush, baby. The handles are made of polymer plastic that sits freely over a shaft, causing a free spinning motion. The frame is constructed of a high-grade steel and made here in the USA. The handle, while you can work many different exercises, was designed to challenge your hand strength. Focusing on overall arm strength, adding a balance and stability to your workout. By adding rolling handles, the Country Crush allows the user to work many different movements. Not easily done by similar handles, and by closing your wrists off at the end of each movement, you work your wrist and strengthen it at the same time country crush baby what are you waiting for get in the game if you ain't traded with the country crush then you ain't traded check out www.countrycrush.net now armed alliance is committed to producing powerful arm wrestling apparel to athletes around the world. Our mission is to represent the arm wrestling community with unmatched design, unique style, and superior fit that will set you apart from the crowd. Our shirts, made from next-generation cotton polyester, allows for maximum comfort and quality. We offer custom orders for hats, compression sleeves, team or individual shirts, and arm wrestling tables. Visit our site at www.armedallianceapparel.com and gear up today. Rep the movement. Armed Alliance for Life. Guys, welcome back. And I also just want to give a big shout out to uh, a couple other sponsors that uh, one big one, uh, CombatArmSports.com. I want to give a big shout out to those guys. I just got my brand new Arm Wrestle Nation Disciple um, table. Bradley Ellis, I mean, you guys, if you were interested in getting a top-notch custom table, check out CombatArmSports.com. Also, big shout-out to RSPNutrition.com. Super excited. Last week, the marketing guys got together with me, and uh, they want to set up a photo shoot, 
doing some arm wrestling training. I mean, RSP is really going to help, you know, promote the disciple brand and, and, and push a little bit of help promote the arm wrestling. I'm excited about that because uh, that's one thing I've been really pushing forward to uh, having a supplement company backing uh, up arm wrestling. So I'm really excited about what we'll be doing with RSP Nutrition over the next few months. Also, StrongerGrip.com. Big shout out to Ryan Pitts. I'm really excited of getting the new handle that's you know, everybody's been talking about Michael Todd. Uh, I know um, Artem just got the uh, the uh, mighty handle. I'm um, looking forward to uh, getting that this week and adding that to my training. Also, we got Top Roller, Strong.com, GullyGrip.com, ArmWrestlingTech.com, you know, and CountryCrush.net. A bunch of great sponsors. A lot of big things happening um, with uh, some new products coming out. Next month, I can't really say too much about it, but a brand new handle is going to be coming out. I'm really excited about that. And, uh, man, what a show, Albert. I mean, uh, we could have went on and on with uh, Bob and Vasquez, and uh, I'd like to have them back on, you know, again, maybe after Vendetta, um, you know, especially Vaz, uh, talk about training a little bit. really enjoy, uh, you know, his philosophy also uh, with the training. Um you know, it's going to be a great matchup. Also, before I forget, I want to just give a big shout-out to Brandon Hall. He came up with uh, prototype number two. It's a pre-workout that doesn't pump you up. It just gives you energy, and it's. I've been using it for about two weeks now. It's an amazing so formula. Um, check it out, Brandon Hall, prototype number one. And, uh, yeah, man, just amazing. Uh, such huge events. PAL coming up. Like we said earlier, we got Daytona Backyard Brawl going to be this Saturday here in Daytona up at uh, Harley-Davidson up at um, Destination Daytona. October Bike Festival starting this week. November 22nd, big tournament that we've been training for. Um, you know, Unfortunately, right. my right is still injured. I've been getting some treatment done, some uh, trigger point therapy. I'm not sure if it's going to be right, but my left is feeling phenomenal. I can't wait to test it out. Hopefully try to qualify for WAL coming up, uh, you know, and then also one of our very first qualifiers in January, um, Daniel Worley, Brandon are putting on that event, but also AAA, Florida State's December 12th. I mean, um, it's just amazing. What do you think, Albert? I mean, uh, arm wrestling is really on its golden age, and it seems like it's getting better and better. Uh, I want to thank Bob Brown and Waskin. It was such a valuable show. I'm going to go back and listen, uh, I'm sure, at least two or three more times. There was so much uh, valuable information, different information being uh, passed through. Uh, just that last 10 minutes, Bob Brown, that uh, comparison, that analogy, that's just, that's golden, man. I mean, that just shows you know, years and years of uh, experience of Bob Brown analyzing two of the best in our sports, Tatachins mm -hmm. versus Burzang, finding similarities, putting it in a way where everybody can understand. That is just golden in my book. On the oh, other hand, Waskan, uh, you know, coming from the Russian background, uh, that's also another perspective. Uh, there is a lot to learn for everybody. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it seems like uh, the dark cloud behind arm wrestling training is 
uh, finally, you know, uh, getting this sold. So uh, it's not an unknown book anymore. Now people know more about it. Uh, you know, it was just such a valuable last 10 minutes, especially. I, I really loved uh, what Bob Brown put. And before that, we, we did touch, you know, great topics about WAF, PAL, WAL, you know, uh, Team USA uh, getting more involved in the World Arm Wrestling Federation. Uh, AAA, uh, you know, unified many, many topics that are valuable. Uh, what can I say? It was a great show. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Next week, uh, we're going to have uh, Vaz's com- uh, opponent, Corey Miller, will be joining us. Uh, I'll have an interview with Corey Miller. Also, we're going to be bringing Arm Wrestling 101 back. I guess uh, we're going to talk about cardio and how that can help your recovery in the sport of arm wrestling i mean we got a bunch of exciting things we'll probably we'll have some updates on this weekend's event like i said uh dicky and logan will be up here uh, dicky's pulling at 195 which i think i'm just excited to see what happens with uh, some of the bigger wal events at that weight class you know it's just exciting exciting to see everybody training hard getting together, and uh, best of luck to Team Jacksonville. All the Florida pullers pulling this weekend. Unfortunately, me and Al won't be there, prior commitments. Um, but uh, I just want to wish everybody a safe and great tournament this Saturday in Daytona. And if you're in town, check it out. Destination Daytona, Harley-Davidson. Uh, for Al Kozar, I'm Craig Subelair. We're out of here. Nation Radio. If you tuned in halfway through the show, you can download the entire episode on iTunes today. Just go to iTunes and search Arm Wrestling Nation Radio. Visit us on Facebook for updates, photos, and direct links to the show at awnr.us. Arm Wrestling Nation Radio will put you over the top. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.